podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. Hi, everybody. Hey, Erin. Hey, welcome to In the Thicket all. I'm Erin. I'm Rachel. I'm Nicole. Yes, and we are <laughs> excited to have you. Um, guys, it's Holy Week. Yeah, yeah, that's well. Crazy. It's technically not while we're recording. Yeah, we're not while recording. you're listening to this. Yes, it's Holy Week. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this week. I love it. It's yeah. I think my favorite you know, week of the year. It's just kind of eh. <laughs> just kidding. Um, Rachel, we need to talk about something. <laughs> Can we? Yeah. Uh, whatever. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Regular. Week. You know. Although, okay. So here is a good question, though. So as we come to Holy Week and the end of. Lent. So some people have said this is still Lent of 2020 because it's <laughs> yeah, never right. really ended. Right. But as we come <laughs> to this end of uh, of Holy Week of 2021, what does that look like? Like what is usually, what is Easter for you guys usually look like with your families mm. and traditions? <laughs> I just want to say I'm super excited about the vigil mass because mm. that's something, especially I guess in the last, like as an adult, I I mostly go to the Easter vigil mass, I think. Um, and last year we didn't get to have it. So yeah. it's just being in, you know, uh, being in mass and worshiping and the vigil mass is just so beautiful. It's so beautiful. So. Well, it's candles and incense oh. mm-hmm. and fire and just <laughs> yeah. light and darkness and sound and everything. Yeah. It's like so beautiful. There yeah. was an an Indian priest at the um, at the parish that I used to be a youth minister at, and so you know how there's that kind of like style of singing, like the where you do like the the runs of the voice, the like yeah, that yeah. kind of sound. Yeah. And so he sang the exultet, um, oh. and it was like unreal it mm. was so gr- so beautiful that's cool yeah it was so beautiful in like that style you mean like in that style of, yeah wow. exactly like it oh, was like cool. yeah it was really it was really so like the, I mean the notes were were the same so it was like the same melody that is usual yeah. but just like the runs of the voice and there was this yeah. like haunting dynamic Ooh. to it which I love like I love the haunting stuff you know even yeah. even on like Good Friday I don't know if you guys have found this but Good Friday, I'm like, sometimes they'll put in more, I don't know, contemporary versions mm, of right. some of the mm-hmm. stuff, like Behold the Wood of the Cross or things like that. I'm like, no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it back. I like Behold the Wood of the Cross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. I like the I like the traditions, you know? like I the, don't know if I've heard a ton of traditional Good Friday stuff, though, because my parish, my parish I grew up in, was mostly more modern hymns. So mm. maybe mm. I'm just missing out. I don't even know. I love like do 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 Yeah, yeah. It's different yeah. text to it. But that's totally. that's one of the ones that for me I'm like, oh yeah, this is holy. Oh week, sacred you know? head surrounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we told we mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't even talk about Easter. We just really talked oh, yeah. about Holy Week and then the vigil. Okay. Like, Easter's great, but Holy Week. Maybe that's because we're the podcast about suffering. We're like, oh yeah, the resurrection is great. But the suffering. <laughs> that's oh, right. Man. Let's focus on that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is well, actually yeah. this is our first Holy Week as in the Thicket podcast. That's so true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Erin, to answer your question, um, it's funny because when you say typical Easter, like my Easter in the last, I would say, well, since I moved to Toronto, basically, has not been typical. So 
or even, I don't know, my whole, most people probably get together with their families and stuff for Easter, but um, my family is in Winnipeg and all of our extended family is here, like Toronto, mm. Ottawa, Montreal. And so we never really had Easter with family. We always had other random people over who also didn't have family. So similar to our Christmas. Mm. Um, so only in the last couple of years, when I was here, did I actually start to spend Easter with like my aunts and uncles. And I was like, oh, is this like what normal people do? This is great. <laughs> um, but then, of course, you know, last year was COVID. And so I spent Easter with, uh, with I live in this house. Uh, it's a convent, but it's also like a house where there's four of us kind of students who live here. Um, and we just had Easter together. And it was really beautiful because we all kind of oh. live our separate lives in the house, at least like the, the girls who live here and the sisters kind of have their own their own routines and, and areas mm. of the house. But we got to actually spend these really beautiful times with them and it was really lovely. So now I'm like, well, who knows what's going to happen every Easter? I don't know. That's right. So we'll yeah. see what this year holds, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm excited regardless. I remember when I when I used to work at the at the Newman Centre Chaplaincy in, in Toronto, we had the Easter vigil and it was like a late Easter vigil. So starting mm. at 11 mm. p.m. Whoa. Yeah, like real like legit. Legit, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And uh, and so then it would be like one o'clock or maybe started at 1030 or something, but it was like 1231, something like that when it was done. And then we all, we hosted a celebration in the house afterwards oh, because fun. there's, you know, all the people who are being, you know, baptized or confirmed or whatever. Right. Um, and so I used to put some eggs and stuff around the house for the students who were living in the house for like an Easter egg hunt. Cute. Yeah, I like still love eggs, that. I assume. Chocolate eggs, that's right. Not, yes, not raw eggs. That would be, can you imagine? That would be awesome. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I broke another one. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways. Um, yeah, so such let's, a nightmare. Just can you clean I up? I know. It would be, yeah. it would be such a nightmare. Uh, yeah, yeah. Awful. I know. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to uh, take us into our topic of the day, mm-hmm. which is today is our kind of wrap up for this series that we've been doing during Lent on euthanasia. And so we've had, you know, the opportunity to hear from a politician, from a disability rights activist, from a physician, from a hospital chaplain. But we wanted to kind of take the time and talk about just death itself. Like the Catholic tradition has this long standing tradition of ars moriendi or the art of dying. So to talk a little bit about about death itself, but then also on on our kind of reflections, like for us, what's kind of stood out to each of us during this series, um, yeah, and to and to kind of wrap things up like that. So, yeah, to, so to start out with, <laughs> what does that look like to you? Like, if you think of death, like the Ars Moriandi, the art of dying, what is what do you think of? Yeah. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can jump in. I mean, I I think of um, my friend uh, who passed away a few years ago, Jean Rubel, um, and she was a lovely Ukrainian lady in her, she died when she was, gosh, I don't remember, in her 80s um, in 2018. Um, but she was kind of like my, you know, I mentioned earlier, we don't have any family in Winnipeg. Well, she was kind of like our family, like our, our our mm. grandma in a sense adopted grandma in many ways she was at all the birthdays and Christmas and Easter she was always you know present and uh and she's somebody who really uh suffered a lot she um she had had her she you know she was the youngest I think of a really large family poor grew up on a farm um 
and I think had some like kind of sufferings as a child and family situation and stuff. Um, and she uh, she was a consecrated single person, I think consecrated. But I don't know if she was the same as you, Aaron. I think it was more like she was a, a lay member of a like a um, like, like a third order like kind a, of thing. Third order, yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, and she was. Um, she worked in healthcare, but she, anyway, she, when she was 40, she had one of her lungs, she had tuberculosis and one of her lungs collapsed. So she lived with one lung for the last like 40 years of her life. Mm. Um, and then she just had a lot of health issues. So she was like in and out of the hospital a number of times, like throughout the time that I knew her. And um, and she was housebound for the last like three or four years of her life. She was just in this little apartment and and couldn't leave because she she was had an oxygen tank and um, right. there was a, a number of different reasons why she just wasn't able to really go outside. And so, um, but I, when I was in my undergrad degree, so this is now, this is back in, I think 2012, it would have been, um, I was taking a class on Christian ethics and I was actually writing a paper on, on euthanasia and um, on what it means to die a good death and thinking about euthanasia from, from the perspective of, well, how can we learn how to suffer well and how to die well and, and sort of right. rekindle this idea? So um, so I was able, she was open to talking about it. And so I actually have some um, some sound, some clips from that interview from, you know, almost 10 years ago. So I thought maybe I could play one and just kind of share. Yes, one or two please. Of those. And I'm going to play, I'll play, if that's okay, I'll play two clips. One sure. is a bit longer. It's about a minute. And the other one's about 20 seconds. So here's the first one. And this one, she talks about more just about suffering and how she kind of deals with suffering. I know that just because we're walking with the Lord doesn't mean we're not going to have suffering and struggles. So how has, has, I don't know, how have you experienced, because I know you've been sick many times and you still have lots of, you know, struggles once in a while and hard, hard nights, right? So how does that, how do you feel about that? You know, because that, I deal with them, of course, in faith most of the time. <laughs> I have my downers too. Yeah. Um, and I reflect. I, I, I think the Lord just puts these reflections on my mind. Where, you know, a lot. Some of the people that we venerate as holy, as mm-hmm. saints, mm-hmm. went through horrible trials. I mean, really. Even if you look at Paul in the Scripture, he was close to the Lord after he converted. And he, he suffered. He really suffered. I don't. It doesn't say too much what his nights were like, <laughs> but his days were just tormented. And he, yeah. he was a hard worker, and I'm not that much of a hard worker because I can't. However, the, the, sometimes the trials are really a lot, mm-hmm. and it's we come to a point where sometimes, at least myself, mm-hmm. I think of me, me, me. And then, oh, wait a minute, it's the Lord who's wanting me to be with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, then it puts me back on balance. Mm-hmm. And as long as I can think of other people to pray for, mm. yeah. I'm out of myself huh. and thinking of somebody else and the Lord mm. and bringing the Lord towards them. And that's where our peace lies. Mm. That's where I find as soon as I can sit back in Jesus, I'm at peace. Yeah. And I'm not going to have to worry about what happens. Mm-hmm. If he wants to take me, I'll let him take me. Beautiful. Yeah. So that's Jean. I'm actually really happy that we get to kind of 
involve her in this podcast a little bit, even though yeah. she's already in heaven. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. I love where she says that it like praying for other people, like switching from me, me, me to praying mm-hmm. for for mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. Um, that gets you outside of yourself, and I think that's the that's definitely one of the temptations of suffering. You know, when you're experiencing yeah. suffering, is to have it turn you inwards, and I think that's yeah. part of the art of dying. <laughs> And suffering is to be outwards, you know, like not to be focused on the self, but to be with Christ for others in it. Mm, I like that with Christ for others. Because the other thing that struck me was also her, what did she say? Something like, I like rest in Jesus or or I just kind of like this, the image that came to me was just kind of like, you know, like just like sitting back and letting go and and in some ways, even though it's the burden itself that's getting you to that point, it's like letting the burden, like giving the burden away to the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. and there's like that that's possible in some mysterious way, even yeah. though you're in so much pain. And you can hear that in her voice. And like, that's the constant. Yeah. That's her constant work is like, okay, yeah. mm-hmm. and now I'm going to learn to give this away and give it mm-hmm. back to the Lord and go back to that place yeah. of peace, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what her her kind of, I guess, process was because she used to have, she kind of talks about it, these hard nights where she'd, Mm -hmm. she would wake up and she would be just in a lot of pain or she would be struggling to breathe or um, a combination of things. And then she wouldn't be able to sleep and then she'd be so tired. And, and so she, she would talk about that, how she would have had on these, you know, really hard nights. And, um, and sometimes she'd call, she'd call my mom, I remember, and she'd be crying, you know, and just be mm. like, it was so hard. But then she would talk about how she, she's like, but I just tried to keep my focus on Jesus and just pray the rosary and know that he's with me and, um, and then pray for people, you know, and I prayed for this person and then this person came to mind and then this person. So I prayed for them and realizing like, oh man, like this woman is in here suffering and like saving people's butts, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah. just like through her intercession, um, yeah. like what a powerful, and she's like, I can't work hard because I, you know, yeah. I'm not physically able, but then it's like, well, this is pretty hard know, work. Like, this is really hard work and she's yeah. doing it, you know? So what a, like, what a yeah. warrior of a woman, you know? You There's something that's like, yeah. like that's really imitating Christ because on the cross, he wasn't thinking about his own sufferings. He was thinking about us. Like yeah. he was yeah. thinking about the people who's, who, we're going to be the beneficiaries of his redemptive suffering, you know? So mm-hmm. there's like, but man, it's a transition. Like it's a hard thing yeah. to yeah. do that. Like we talk, we've talked yeah. about offering it up and, you know, all of those kind of things, but the reality yeah. of, of it is, yeah, because it is an experience of evil, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what John yes. says. Every yeah. suffering right. is an experience yeah. of evil and <clears throat> exactly evil is to forget the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God, yes. the ability of God to transform things. Like mm-hmm. that is what evil does. It separates yeah. us from God. So right. it's so mysterious that somehow in suffering, because Jesus mm. entered into that separation, that he yeah. was able to redeem that experience, you know, so that we actually have the possibility of being with him in that. Mm-hmm. And so that it, it ceases to then become an evil somehow, yeah. but it can become a mm-hmm. good. Yep. Preach, well, sister. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, I just went, like when you were saying that, the thought that was running through my mind is like, that we are, it's really a battle. Like it really is Mm -hmm. like suffering is really being 
given like a sword and a shield in terms of like the Holy Spirit is with us and like we have the love of God with us. And then he, he is, he has the victory already, but we are sort of called to participate in that battle Mm -hmm. for that victory, you know, and it, and it's, and it struck me because recently I've just been thinking about all kinds of work, like Erin, you and I are working on school stuff and, you know, um, like discipline and anybody who knows me knows that it's like oil and water with discipline. Like I struggle (laughs) so much, you know, but I was thinking about like even working out, right. When you work out and it's like, you, you hate it because it's so painful really, but it's really a battle. Every time you approach something that's, that is worth winning, that's worth um, experiencing, mm-hmm. you're usually called into some kind of battle to really experience that thing. Cause, and I think the battle isn't about earning it. It's about letting go of the other stuff that's in the way of you receiving what you, what you, what is mm-hmm. good, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what, and it's hard because that other stuff just has that hold on us, which yeah. is that kind of interior that's like the self or, or selfishness yeah. or, or, yeah comfort, pleasure, power, whatever, put those things in there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And when I think of Jean, I'm like, I don't think it ever got easier for her in those Mm -hmm. battles, but she just continued to battle every single day for the end of her life. Like I talked, that was, that conversation was in 2012. She lived for six more years after that, continuing to have the same thing and it got worse. And yet she never, you know, and she went through like depression and she went through times where she like, and she talks about this a little bit in a different clip, but I won't play because it's, you know, too long, but um, where she's like, yeah, I don't always feel God's presence. And she mm-hmm. was like, if I was doing this based on if I felt God or not, she's like, that, I wouldn't get very far, you know? So she's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, just like that the battle is a battle. <laughs> like it's yeah. not yeah, like it a fun is, battle. That's right. thing, yeah. But yeah. it's like, and and it's just like what, like Rocky Balboa, you know, she's, you keep getting up and you fight again and again yeah, and yeah, again yeah. and again, you know? Will you play the other um, the other clip yeah. for us, Nicole? Yeah. So this is um, when she talks about. I asked her. I asked her. You know, do you do you think about your own death? You know, um, and so her answer. <laughs> I, I loved her answer. So I'll play for you. But I, I do think of my demise frequently. Huh. You know, because I'm at that age. Yeah. And if I'm not going to be thinking of it, then I'm not thinking of God. Huh. And that's what I want to do is keep God in my presence. Huh. Because um, without him, there's nothing. Yeah. Hmm. Isn't oh, that interesting? So good. She's like, well, of course I think of my death because <laughs> my if I think of my death, then I'm thinking of God. And mm. I want to keep thinking about God. So that's it, you know? It's so paradoxical, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, recently a few like people that I know, um, have passed away, not especially close to me, but sort of like connected. Um, and, and some one very tragic, like cancer related to cancer and and quite young. And, and, um, it's just got me thinking exactly about what she said. Like, you know, I'm thinking of God because without God, there is nothing. And I think Mm -hmm. that is this, that's what the art of dying really is about Mm -hmm. is actually realizing that nothing else is more real than than God. And if we want to be the most alive in a way, which is funny because we're talking about the art of dying, but in a way, really death is dying to this life, but like waking up to 
the the reality of the life to come, which is that life with God, mm-hmm. that union with him, you know? So and that's yeah. why I think we can call it the art of dying because it's not really about, it's not about being ended. It's about like surrendering something to be woken up to something else that's mm-hmm. been better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's like a whole, um, I mean, in kind of the medieval times and, you know, the period, there's like the period of the church where Thomas Akempis was writing and, you know, some of his contemporary writers and um, Memento Mori was a big thing, you know, like people carrying around on their necks, (laughs) like they would carry on their necks, like a casket like a miniature casket with like a miniature skeleton in the casket, wow. you know, <laughs> just like, like we think we're hardcore. No, no. Oh no. You wear a casket around cross. your neck. That's, that's right. A, exactly. That's yeah, a yeah, necklace yeah, yeah, charm. Yeah. If I've, yeah. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but, oh, yeah. I, but that's it. like, that's totally coming back into vogue now, you know, like memento mori, like remember your own death, but it's not, like the Catholic sense of that is not something morbid. Mm-hmm. And it's also encouraging us because we have this faith, you know, like every mm-hmm. time we make an act of trust, it's a preparation for death. Every time we say yes to the Lord, it's a preparation for death because in the moment of death is the moment that is definitive about whether we're right or not as Christians, mm-hmm. like whether there is heaven or not, whether God is real or not, you know? And so that act of death will take a great amount of trust to be mm-hmm. able to place ourselves into the hands of the one who loves us, right? So like then our whole life becomes this exercise in being able to grow deeper in our knowledge of God's love for us and our ability to trust Him so that in that moment of death, it's like in that moment of death then can become this act of trust that can be peaceful and and beautiful and, you know, like, um, yeah, where we're going to one that we know so that yeah. it doesn't have to be full of that fear or, or yeah, despair or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can maybe share um, my my grandmother's experience of death. It kind of leads yeah. right into that. But that's mm-hmm. what I think of when I think about a good death. Mm-hmm. So she was uh, 92 when she died. My grandfather died like 15 years before her, I think. Um, and she, uh, she had breast cancer, but they weren't going to treat it because she was 92, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't want to be aggressive with it. And she, I think it was pneumonia or something like that, or water in her lungs that she went mm-hmm. into the hospital for. It wasn't even anything to do with breast cancer. Cancer. And while she was there, they did a, a scan and they used like a, a dye that, um, you know, for the scan images mm-hmm. and whatever. Yeah. But the dye actually caused her kidneys to fail because they oh. couldn't filter it properly. Oh. And she had like my grandmother, she prayed the rosary every day. She was so devoted to Our Lady, her and my grandfather both, you know, like where she mm-hmm. said, like, yeah, at my funeral, I want you to sing the Ave Maria iron. I want mm. you to dedicate it with love to the Blessed Virgin from Ed and Inez. Oh. I think I might have mentioned that on the podcast <laughs> before, but but like, like it's so like, like, cute. like very real devotion so to Our Lady, you know? Yeah. And yeah. also she prayed to St. Jude all the time. Mm. And, um, and so when her kidneys were failing in the hospital, um, 
basically the doctors came in and said, okay, so in order to um, treat this, we would have to give you dialysis. But if you choose not to have dialysis, then, then you'll die. And so she, she said, yeah, I don't, I don't want dialysis. Like I'm ready. And so Mm -hmm. my mom was saying to her like, okay, mom, so you understand that if you Mm -hmm. don't have this, then this is it. You won't leave the hospital. You'll die. And she said, yeah, I understand. And so then my mom went into the hallway and had this moment of like being so mad at mm. God. This woman has, you know, like she has breast cancer now. She and now she like for something that was totally fluke, she's gonna die from, you know. Right, but yeah. then, I mean, my mom is a nurse, so she has some knowledge mm. about medical stuff, you know. And so then she had this like a moment where she just realized that actually this was exactly the answer to to prayer that my yeah. grandmother had prayed for basically all of mm. her life because she didn't want drama at the end of her life and, you know, people weeping and mourning and singing dirges in her, you know, (laughs) hospital room. Dirges. Yeah, yeah. Um, But she she didn't want that, you know, and and she didn't want something that was long and drawn out and, you know, Mm. painful. Like she didn't want that. And she prayed to be spared of that. And Mm. she prayed to St. Jude all the time. And my mom Mm. realized when she was in the hallway, she's like, this is exactly the answer to her prayer because how do you die when your kidneys fail? You go to sleep. And it's painful. Mm. It's not painful. It's mm. fairly quick. Like it's, mm. you know, this is this is the answer to her prayer. Mm. And so then she, um, my grandmother, kind of uh, lost the ability to to talk over the you know the next few hours. It didn't take very long. And mm. um, she, when the kids were in the hallway, her her daughters were in the hallway at one point talking about just I don't know decisions or whatever they were talking about, and my aunt Joan went back into the room, and my grandmother was there alone with Joan, and my by this point she couldn't talk anymore, and um and my aunt Joan said to her like Mom, I feel like someone is here. Who's here? And my grandmother had her rosary clutched tightly in her hand and she just lifted up her hand and just shook her hand in the air like, our lady is here. And then she waited until my uncle got there. So her kids were there and everybody was around the bedside and my dad was leading everybody in praying the rosary all together. And she died while they were praying the rosary. Like, oh gosh. And even that story, right? Like to this day, I'm like, that is a good death. And I know not everybody has deaths like that. And that some are filled with like pain and, you know, like there's a lot of, but there Mm -hmm. is a possibility. Like there is, we are a Accompanied in our death, especially mm-hmm. there's this huge church tradition always of Our Lady and Saint Joseph. You know, yeah. like the parents who are waiting to bring us home to their son. Mm. Like, and it is so real. That is yeah. the most like real experience that I've had right. of of how real that assistance yeah. is in death. Yeah, yeah, that's so beautiful. Yeah, Let's even wow. like. Man, I think they give me shivers just to hear, you know, oh, it's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. But it's like, I'm realizing like that is the Hail Mary, you know, pray for us now mm-hmm. at the hour of our death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she and prayed, she asked so our Blessed times. Mother every day. Uh, every day she asked her 50 times at least. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So Mary, like, yeah, okay. Here uh, I am. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, oh Yeah. And it's something I feel like you just kind of have to receive <laughs> and then just kind of, you know, <laughs> think about and... I mean, it made me think about actually my grandmother's death also, I think I would kind of use in my life as an example of a good death, but a little bit different in that my grandmother had, um, she had a stroke, I think when she was in her sixties, um, early sixties. And then she lived, so she was paralyzed on one side of her body 
And she lived with that for 20 plus years after Mm -hmm. her stroke. And like many of them, not alone, like she had a lot of help and things like that. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we would, we didn't live in the country through a lot of that time. So actually my memories of my grandmother are all with her paralysis, with her stroke. She's kind of like, I mean, I think all grandmothers, like that generation, they're just sort of like tough cookies. You know what I mean? Like they're just different. They're just made of different stuff. I think people came after, they came after because they went through, they in the generation maybe before them went through so many crazy difficult things, all the wars and all this kind of stuff. So Mm. anyway, so she was kind of like this tough cookie and, and she never stopped living. And I think that was really what stuck with me is like, she sort of, she learned how to use her left hand to write because Mm. it was her right hand that was paralyzed. And so Mm. she, and she never stopped writing. Like she would write letters, she'd write postcards. Mm. She, and it was like this shaky, she had this beautiful penmanship with her right hand and her left hand was was there, but it was like a shaky kind of line. Right. But it's so like to read her even now, like whatever she left, like she had tons, she would always have like prayer books. So she would give away the prayer books all the time. And so she would write, you know, to like, to my darling Rachel from Nana or whatever. And then she'd give me her prayer. And so it's like all this evidence of her fullness of life. And then mm. I remember I got to stay for three months with her and um, in in India after my uh, after my undergrad, um, and I was doing some stuff there, and so mm-hmm. I spent lots of time with her. And I just remember thinking, this woman like, can't leave the house again, like kind of like Jean, like she couldn't leave the yeah. house. But she would wake up and she would like comb her hair and she would put on, like she would choose an outfit from her closet. And like, she had so much purpose in her day, even though she went nowhere, you know, and she had nothing in a sense that way to do. But, and she spent a lot of time just praying. She, she would pray a rosary for each of us, like for Mm. all of her grandkids and, you know, kind of the same thing that you were saying, Erin, about your grandmother, like those prayers and and Jean as well, like those prayers are so powerful. I have absolutely no yeah. doubt that like every mm. single one of us are, have been like lifted yeah. up and helped by her prayers yeah. over like so many years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, when you think of the amount of people that I know who didn't really grow up with any kind of religion or faith and then somehow had these miraculous conversion stories. And then they're like, oh yeah, well, my grandma yeah. prayed the rosary every day. And I'm like, I think that it's like we said, God's got the whole world in his hands, but he's, it's also like all the grandmas. All the grandmas. Yeah, all the grandmas. <laughs> That's so funny. Out. I know. Yeah. It's true to that, man. Oh, that, there yeah. is truth to that. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, yeah, when my grandma died, she was, she was, I think, in a lot of pain for a few days and, um, yeah. And there's some beautiful moments there, but I think, I mean, she was surrounded by, my uncle was there. My uh, aunt was there and they were just like, it was just very holy. It was very holy. Kind of like what you were saying mm-hmm. here. And like, there was just, she was sort of surrounded by, you know, like these people who were praying for her and then heaven was there. And like, like everyone mm-hmm. who was there kind of felt that. And I think in a way though, it wasn't really profound it was super profound and also it was just normal because yeah. that and I think that's what's kind of really cool about all these stories about Jean and, and our grandmothers like what and it's what you were saying Erin it's that they place themselves in the Lord's presence mm-hmm. every day and so it's like at the end of course they were in his presence mm-hmm. because that was yeah. that was everything that was their lives that was yeah. every day yeah. and I think that's for me, what's just really striking me about this conversation is that the art of dying is really about living in the Lord's presence every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that at the moment of death, it's, you said this once, Aaron, in one of our Exodus meetings, Mm -hmm. like it's just another little death. 
Like it's yeah. another mm. little letting go. Yeah, right. And just that final entrance fully into the love of God. But mm-hmm. you've been making that journey every yeah. day before that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a song by, um, I don't know if you guys know, John Foreman. He's the lead singer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Love him. He's, and this, he, I think he's somebody who, um, you know, if you want music that relates to Ars Morandi, go listen to some of his solo stuff because that's kind of a theme mm. that really runs throughout his music. But, um, you know, there's a song where I think he talks about, I don't remember all the lyrics, but the, the chorus is, maybe I've been learning how to die been learning how to die and it's this like beautiful thing right and like yeah that's so much of our life if we can learn how to die every day mm-hmm. and, like, little sacrifices like exactly what you're saying then it's yeah. like okay that's yeah. yeah it's just letting us learn how to do the big death yeah. which then becomes yeah. just a, a little death yeah exactly well yeah. which is a great actually transition into um into this last part of our discussion today which is just to ask about this this whole series of of euthanasia if there is mm-hmm. like what um, what from it has, you know, stood out to you or impacted you? Like what has hit your heart and resonated, you know, which is such a good question. Like we wanted to have this because the whole purpose of the, of the, of the series was both to bring people awareness and to hear about, um, you know, some of the people that Bill C7 in Canada was affecting and all of those kind of things, but then also to give us a greater understanding of death itself and what, what that can look like or, um, yeah, like yeah. where 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 the Lord is and is in it. So, mm-hmm. what is that? What's kind of hit you guys about that? Um, I what's throughout our conversation, I've been thinking about that actually, and I've been thinking about how you know this idea of a good death is exactly what people are after when they mm-hmm. seek euthanasia. You know, mm-hmm. this yeah. sort of feeling of peace. There's a sense of control. There's like that's what people want. And why is it, why is it that it's not a good death? Like that's what's been Mm. kind of, you know, Mm. why is that not a good death? And, and I think it comes down to sort of what, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't have the answers, but you know, one answer I think is what Jean said, where I think it's like a good death. It's actually at the end of the day, it's not really about all of those external realities. It's really about you know, it's, it's Jesus or nothing in a sense at the, at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, it's like, you know, I, have I, am I in the presence of God right now or Mm -hmm. not? And I think when we, when we honor life and we honor God as the master of our life and of our death, then we're starting to enter into the realm of what it means to have a good death. And, Mm -hmm. and when we euthanize ourselves, we're rejecting the gift of life and rejecting the possibility that suffering has something for mm-hmm. us and that the path to our death is going to be life-giving. I think that there's this idea that dying, kind of what you were saying with John Foreman, like I'm learning how to die, that learning how to die is a despairing reality instead mm-hmm. of a reality that can bring life, not just to us, but to others um, and can reflect the love of God to others. So, I mean, but it's very tempting, right? Like, I think that's what I, what I'm able to see is when people want to be euthanized, it's very, very tempting because it just looks, it just Mm -hmm. looks like a good death in some ways. I think think that's like the, that's the challenging part about it, or that's the insidious part about it. That's Mm -hmm. a good word is that this is exactly what 
the evil one does is he takes something that has a grain of truth in it and then he twists it so that it is perverted in in its end, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's like, you know, if you hear Christopher West talk about um, the theology of the body, if you're going to, a, you know, a frat party looking to get laid and drunk, what you're really looking for are the sacraments of marriage and the Eucharist, you know? like <laughs> that that's. But there's something to that, right? And yeah, then yeah. Says, in death, it's like looking for that good death. It is a good, mm-hmm. it is a good thing that people yeah. are searching for, like yes. looking for that good death. But then the yeah. evil one in that has basically rested, like it's in, in instead of it being in God's hands, your whole self in God's hands, it is like a taking of your whole self and putting it in your hands apart yeah. from God. And that's yeah. exactly the question of the beginnings of even of mm-hmm. sin, right? It's like, this is what Adam and Eve did is they, you know, grasped for themselves, um, you know, this, this knowledge, um, you know, yeah. from the, the tree of good and evil, like it, they're taking things into their own hands mm-hmm. or attempting to. And it's the same in our death. You know, we have that opportunity to either choose with Adam and Eve to, you know, take things into our own hands or to choose like what, what Jesus has done, like what he offers us through, through what he's done. You know, I think that's the thing that stood, that stood out to me is that, is this idea that we talked about, about radical personal autonomy and that, that is such a facade and it is not true. We do not have like a radical, well, we, there is a choice to, in some sense, exercise this, you know, radical personal autonomy or this facade of what it is, but it's not true that, that Mm -hmm. it doesn't affect other people. And it's not true that we should have the ability to, you know, just choose everything at whim, you know, like that, Mm -hmm. that it doesn't have an impact on the world and on other people. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me, um, and even just kind of reflecting this as we're speaking and as we're having this conversation today, um, what's coming to mind is that, well, I'm reminded of a course that I took. This is the same course I mentioned that I interviewed Jean for, and it was a mm. course on Christian ethics um, by Chris Hubner, uh, taught it at the Canadian Mennonite University. Just shout out to Chris Hubner. He's an amazing prof. <laughs> this course changed my life. Mm. Um, but you know that, okay, so Bill C7 passed. Yeah, And the amendment that we were hoping for that would protect people who have comorbid mental health issues, mm-hmm. that did not go through. Nope. So this is like the, the worst thing in terms of the political, what we were hoping for, the worst thing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, when, when, you know, one of the things that I remember sticking up to me from this course and that's coming back to me, you know, through our conversations is, well, how, how do people grow in virtue and change? It's when you see someone else who is living in the way that, that sh- it shows you ah, I could live like this too. We need to know that there's a real option. That's like some language, I think, from like virtue virtue Mm -hmm. ethics and things like, we know there's a real option for living in a different way. So I think that when we have like these stories, like Erin, you're talking about your grandmother and talking about Jean and these different people that we've known, um, Mm -hmm. Rachel, um, you're talking about your grandma as well, and that we've known who, who died these good deaths. Like we need to tell those stories and we need to, because that, because that shows us, ah, this is what it could look like. Because if we focus only on, well, this is what euthanasia looks like, and this is why it's wrong, and da da. Okay, that's part of the equation. But we, we've got to have, we've got to have a, a visual, a picture of what it actually means to have a good death. So I think like our conversation today is actually really crucially important, mm-hmm. and that like I think that's like the next steps for us as as people who believe that it is possible to have a good death, and that that's not what 
euthanasia is, that it's something else, is to, um, to continue to have relationships and be present to people who are suffering and who are dying, like in our own lives, whether it's like our aunts and uncles or people in our church communities or whatever, but be present to those people um, because for two reasons, one is that no one is, no one should be alone. You know, we shouldn't let our people be alone. We, you know, we need to, mm-hmm. we need to be active in that, but also because we can learn something about what it means to die a good death from people who are, who are suffering, who are, you know, holy people at the end of the life. So we can have those stories to tell someone, someone comes to us and says, well, why, why is made wrong? It seems so good. You can tell that story of this person because guess what? Humans don't care about information in <laughs> graphs and stuff like that, but our we brains don't. are wired for stories. That's yeah. what we're wired for. Yeah. Um, just like on an evolutionary kind of perspective. So like <laughs> we need cool. to have those stories. We need to mm-hmm. be with the people who are living those stories. Um, yeah. So and it's the, it's the story of life, you know, like the, yeah. like, like, like evangelization is what we, is our mission, right? This is who we are in God. Our whole life should be, but evangelization is not actually primarily just, you know, me standing on a corner. I mean, actually, I would say I would not highly recommend standing on a corner and just shouting about Jesus. Maybe that is a particular charism that somebody might have, but in general, no. In general, actually, it's like, it's primarily the witness of my life that leads to the opportunity to share Christ explicitly with people. That's like that Evangelion Mm -hmm. and Andy. If you haven't read that, highly recommend it. Like, but it is the witness of life and something that is that is um, inherent to that, like Christ living in you, that will cause a pause in people to say, like, what is that? You know, yeah. and the power of a good death to do that is like, yeah. Again, right. it's like suffering does that. Being able to suffer well and with joy and with some right. kind of peace is so radically different from right. the world. It causes that in people, but death, I think, even more than suffering because it is the final place. Yeah where that witness of, yeah, of choosing, um, choosing radical surrender and trust in God. That is the thing because we're, 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 we control is an illusion. We don't have control. And so the times we try to grasp control, it's, it's just diving into that illusion even more, but for somebody who chooses to stay surrendered and, and abandoned to the Lord and his will, Mm-hmm. That is radical, and it's going to be even more radical now because the witness of a Christian who mm-hmm. dies without maid—it's like, why would you do that? Why would yeah. you choose to suffer and let yourself suffer if you had this option? But it's like, okay, that's going to become a stronger witness now to people who choose not to yeah. end their own lives, yeah, uh, when they're in suffering, you know. Um, mm. Yeah, well, I think I know we have to sort of get to God wings soon, but I, I think. It, I also wanted to mention that the difference between hope and despair that's present mm. as we reflect on the euthanasia conversation, because I think mm. death can be seen as a way out of mm-hmm. life. That's also a false kind of view of death. Even for Christians, like we can approach our death in a way with joy because we know it will unite us with Christ. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between having that posture and like looking for a way out of this life, which is a gift that is a sacred mm-hmm. gift that God gave mm-hmm. us. And I think that attitude of despair is why we can engage on this issue in the public sphere with people right. who are not Christian, because the the virtue of hope is something that we can understand we can speak to the heart of somebody else who doesn't even know who Jesus is 
on the on the foundation of that that reality of hope because hope is a language we can and we need to learn how to speak that language to many different people and that's yeah. i think mm-hmm. speaking on sort of the political and, po- and policy kind of sphere of this um we had a conversation after bill c7 passed you know our our um team which is the three of us in our in our prayer <laughs> warrior. Um, we had a conversation about defeatism that exists yeah. in our culture, and not just in secular culture, but in Catholic culture as well. Where we think, okay, we're in this culture, and like there's nothing we can do, and you know that is not the posture that the Lord is calling us to have. Right. On every sphere, we have to fight back. At whatever yes. whatever the battlefront is now, so okay, we lost to Bill C seven, but Garnet Jenis, who we had on our podcast, has other way has like shown you know other opportunities that we can have to actually maybe stop yeah. the the mental the comorbid mental health kind of right stuff. because this stuff doesn't come into a law for another two years, exactly. so there's actually a lot of time to do stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So in a Canadian context, our Canadian listeners, there mm. is more stuff that can be done mm-hmm. on every level. There's an and election that will happen before exactly. then. <laughs> Exactly. Get engaged. (laughs) Yay. Mm -hmm. But like, but why, you know, the reason why is because the narrative of despair packaged as when, you know, in a different episode, I talked about Cardinal Collins packaged as this like neat, clean, beautiful thing that looks like a good death that is Mm -hmm. actually despair. Mm -hmm. That narrative those stories, they get embedded in our culture and yeah. we are required yeah. to get in the way of that. In yeah, whatever. tell other stories. Yeah. 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 Do whatever Amen. we can. So, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Oh, man, ladies. This is... <laughs> man, ladies. Man, ladies. I say <laughs> that every thing. time. I know, every I time. It. It's so funny. This is great. Um, yeah, this is good. Okay. I'm going to share first for Godwinks mm-hmm. only because mine is kind of like... A memento mori kind of thing. Mine is um, too. Oh, like, no, go. Sorry, okay. I wasn't saying it to like cut you in line, but like, <laughs> my um. God, wing first. <laughs> Just kidding. So, um, I'll post a picture of this on uh, Instagram and Facebook so that people can see it. But what I'm holding up right now to the Ooh. camera on Zoom is a relic of Saint Stephen. So it's um, Stefan, uh, Saint Stephani pro- proto martyr. So the first martyr of the well, church. Like so, the first guy. Yeah. Wow. Like the first. Like, like Stephen, who was stoned, you know, and not high, like had rocks thrown at him until he died. Um, that's right. Yeah. But he, so the, my very first week working at the Newman Center in Toronto, um, Catholic chaplaincy there at U of T, uh, there was a, a woman who came into the office. She was moving. She had a bunch of broken rosaries and stuff in a container. I was like, hey, I'm moving. Can I give these to you? And I was like, I, I guess so. I don't know what to do with these things. But so she left them anyways. And I was digging through after. Um, and I, uh, yeah, and there was this, this relic in there and I was, but I had no way to get a hold of her. I didn't even know her name. So it's not like I could be like, oh my gosh, you forgot your St. Stephen, you know, relic. <laughs> right. Um, but th- so this thing has been, um, like this relic has been with me. And I, I mean, I don't know hundred percent of whether it's authentic and all of those kind of things, but I don't really care because it inspires devotion. And that is what relics are supposed to do in mm-hmm. the first place. Yes. You know, to inspire yeah. that devotion and that confidence. But I feel like the Lord gave this to me for, for a reason, because, you mm-hmm. know, even just the suffering, like I ha- it's like dying to yourself, you know, or like recognizing what it takes in our lives to, um, to really follow him is to like be willing to follow him even unto death, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that it's was like your cool memento thing. mori, which could be like exactly. a pun. 
<laughs> Get it? You're yes. Yes, Don't that's worry. right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was a good dad joke. I liked it. Yeah, okay. Really do you want to share yours, Nicole? Sure. Yeah. Um, so mine basically was, I was uh, just going through some anxiety this week and um, and I, I ended up sharing with one of my housemates who's quite a number, quite a number of years younger than me. And I sometimes, you know, don't, you know, don't want to burden other people with my problems sometimes, but I was like, okay, I'll share, I'll share what's going on, you know, so I shared with her and uh, she just, you know, she's great and she listened and then she, she's like, well, you know, I don't really have much advice, but this might sound weird, but do you ever just think about your death, you know? <laughs> And um, she was nice. like, you know, just like, just to remind that, you know, that this is not the end, you know, that heaven is is coming and just remember mm. that you're going to die. She's like, I don't know. That sometimes just helps me when I'm going through rough stuff, you know? So um, great. It That's was so hilarious. great. And it just like, it helped, you know? Yeah. It kind of like, it was just a little thing I remembered like, oh yeah, right. It was like all of the concentric rings of problems that I had sort of been getting caught in, in my mind. I was like, oh Yeah this is just right now. That's yeah. not going to be forever. And there's beautiful goodness. And, uh, you know, I, whenever I think of heaven or when I think of dying, the thing I mm-hmm. think of is like hugging Jesus because mm. Jesus oh, is also yeah. fully human, but like, yeah. it's like we're in this long distance kind of like FaceTime relationship <laughs> with Jesus on earth. <laughs> we get to heaven, we actually get to hug him or something. I'm not sure exactly how that works. And if the <laughs> sure. yeah. Nicole, but like, <laughs> that's what like, I'm looking forward to. So. Nice. Headlines, Catholic Good. girl Roll knows it. what heaven is like. We'll be right. able to hug, <laughs> hug Jesus. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, how about you, Rachel? Mine is so not that profound. Mine is about Korean barbecue. Mm. Um, so yeah, so yeah, that could really, be profound, you know, just, it could be actually, it yeah. was a very, in some ways, like at least <laughs> taste bud wise, a profound experience. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love cream barbecue and a friend of mine and I, we just were like missing going out for it for like whatever COVID, you know, this whole time. So, um, it's been open. There's a, there's a cream barbecue place that's open near my house. And she was like, okay, I'm going to come down. And this is the day that I can come. And we're like, oh, that's great. That's great. And then it dawned on us that it was a Friday and it's Lent. And we're like, oh no, cream barbecue is like all meat basically. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, okay, maybe, maybe we can like fast because it's the only day that we could get together and do this. And it was like very special to us. So maybe we can pick another day and fast. And like, that'll be like our Friday. And then just for that meal, because we're hanging out, maybe that, that'd be okay. Maybe. So we're thinking about this. And then we realized, yo, it's the feast of St. Joseph. It's the solemnity of St. Joseph. We're like, we can totally like (laughs) eat our hearts out. So that's what we did. So, and that was literally a couple days ago that we're recording this like from, so I'm very, I'm still full. (laughs) Not a couple days ago, yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Last night. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) So thank you, St. Joseph, for so many things, but also for Korean barbecue. Amen. Unofficial patron saint of people who like to eat meat in Lent. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Yes, exactly. Uh, Yeah. It was so funny though, the amount of memes that were on like Facebook and Instagram mm -hmm. about eating meat because of St. Joseph (laughs) yesterday. Like I was just... I was laughing. I had a good chuckle, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, ladies. So, uh, yes, if you um, have, you know, listened to the series or whether this is kind of just your first episode or whatever, like the series is there so you can go back and, you know, re-listen or forward it to people or, you know, in the next Mm -hmm. couple of years as we're kind of still going through these things, I'd encourage you to do that. Like take, um, take the, the episodes and, and kind of send them to people. Um, if you're having conversations about it or things like that. And then on our website, we also again have the euthanasia series kind of, 
um, things that you can do in terms of political action, but then also in terms of kind of community action, like support in your community and what you can offer for that. So we encourage you to check that out as well. And with that, we will end off for this episode. Yeah, thanks, thanks everybody. for listening, guys. Yep, we love you. We'll see you or you'll hear us next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.